You're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. You can also find more information about what is covered on the show at daletracks.blogspot.com, and you can contact me there if you have questions or suggestions about the show. Today, on Making Tracks, I'll share some information on why saving leaves and dead wood in your yard is good for wildlife and less work for you. I've also got information on how spending time in nature, and specifically Japanese gardens, is nurturing for us. I'll also share more information on the ongoing concerns caused by PG&E cutting down a large number of trees and surrounding vegetation in the American River Parkway. Music today, we'll hear Fight for You by Ray Zargoza and Child of the Wind by Bruce Coburn. And now... Head outside when you can. It's time for Making Tracks. I've reported on damages done by PG&E and the American River Parkway in a number of recent radio programs. And I want to share some additional information on that subject today. I'm going to start off by sharing with you a letter published in the latest issue of Sacramento's News and Review, the current issue that's out. I encourage you to read it by Save the American River Association's President Stephen Green. And I'm going to read it now. American River Parkway is the crown jewel of Sacramento County's park system. But since late October, PG&E has been clear-cutting corridors in the parkway along its power line easements, removing many healthy mature trees and ripping out vegetation, including elderberry bushes home to the threatened valley elderberry longhorn beetle. This unprecedented clear-cutting operation, which is essentially complete, is the most destructive project we have seen in the parkway. Save the American River Association, Trees for Sacramento, the California Native Plant Society, and the Sierra Club all called on PG&E and Sacramento County to halt the tree removals until PG&E showed that it was complying with environmental requirements and other safeguards. The association repeatedly asked PG&E to produce evidence of an environmental review or permits for removing trees and disturbing protected plants and animal species. PG&E only offered vague and general assurances. Ground that has been cleared is being rapidly colonized by an invasive thistle. We still have no plan for restoration or mitigation. Damage already done must be properly mitigated within the parkway, not in some far-off place. But with PG&E headed into bankruptcy, it seems unlikely it will do any restoration. Our parkway is far too important to the community for county officials to turn a blind eye on this scorched-earth approach to removing vegetation. Officials are supposed to protect the parkway and its fragile and rare riparian habitat. On January 15th, we went to county supervisors who told staff to schedule a hearing on what has happened and on what action should be taken. Other communities, with local government support, have been able to persuade PG&E to be reasonable in tree removals, but it appears Sacramento County has not even tried to prevent the removal of trees 
and other vegetation that pose no fire safety threat. Power lines have been in the parkway since the 1940s without any history of damage from fire. In many areas, power lines are far above the treetops and there is no possibility that a falling tree would hit them. In addition, the parkway is far more accessible to firefighters than other areas of California where wildfires have occurred. Pichini must modify its practices to better balance protection from fires and conservation of irreplaceable natural resources. We hope that our, our groups, along with the concerned public, will force change at both PG&E and the county to ensure future tree cutting is done in a much more protective manner. Please join us in standing for the protection of our parkway and let your representatives know that we, we must find a better path to providing sensible fire protection. And again, Stephen Green of the Save the American River Association publishing in the latest issue of Sacramento's News and Review. As was reported there, the Board of Supervisors has recently directed staff to schedule a workshop on this matter. No details are available yet. I will report when they are. Save the river, save the seas Save the mother and her family Can you take what you want and say that we are free? If you put oil in the water, we won't sit quietly And they were singing, stand up, stand up you want and say you come in peace if you don't open your eyes how can you see and we were cheering stand up stand up
Fight for You by Ray Zargoza. The Two Rivers Bike Trail is a planned bike trail that would once completed would extend approximately 10 miles in the city of Sacramento eastward to Sacramento State, possibly beyond, on the south side of the river. The existing bike trail in the American River Parkway is mostly on the other side of the river. So once the Two Rivers Trail is completed, it will provide additional access for recreation and commuting in the parkway, and many, many groups support, support that. There are two sections of the Two Rivers Bike Trail that have been constructed. Downtown, beginning at near Old Town, there's a stretch that runs east to the Highway 160 crossing of the American River, which forms a barrier currently, and the next section hasn't been built. At Sutter's Landing Park, the section was recently built, and the section just to the west of it would be included in the city's current proposed grant funding to expand and enhance Sutter's Landing Park. So that would that would include an extension and connection of two existing sections of the Two River Bike Trail. Now the city of Sacramento is also looking with a separate project at extending the Two Rivers Bike Trail to the east of Sutter's Landing Park, connecting with the section that was recently built there. And again, there's many groups that support this. It will provide a lot of recreation and access, but there are problems with the existing proposal. Unfortunately, the city has proposed building most or all of the next segment, phase two, they're calling it, of the Two Rivers Bike Trail, off the top of the levee, down at the bottom of the levee, following existing footpaths and dirt road access there. And problems with that. Building the bike trail at that location will require the removal of a considerable number of trees and wildlife habitat, including sensitive habitat for an endangered species, the valley elderberry longhorn beetle. And so it'll disrupt the wildlife corridor that exists that allows wildlife to move up and down the river and, and accounts for some of the great diversity of wildlife we see at Sutter's Landing Park. And This disturbance will also increase access to the adjacent slim ribbon of habitat that remains on the south side of the river, posing additional threats. And we've seen the same thing happen at Sutter's Landing Park after the bike trail segment there was constructed at the toe of the slope. In both cases, the original plan was to construct the new bike trail on the top of the levee. And of course, there's other sections of bike trail in the American River Parkway, including section that's already been built to the Two Rivers Trail downstream that's on the top of the levee. But the American River Flood Control has balked at the idea of paving the top of the levee for a bike trail. They claim that it will interfere with their occasional maintenance activity. And while there is some potential for impact through that, it's no different than any place else in the parkway. And the Flood Control Agency has the ability to provide detours and put up barriers for occasional planned regular maintenance. And that's something the biking community and recreationists are used to dealing with the American River Parkway. But we're not having that opportunity here. And instead, the proposed project would be delivered at considerable increased cost, not to mention the mitigation and impacts that I mentioned earlier. So the environmental document, the city has it out for review now to the end of November, and a considerable number of comments are being developed by organizations and, and individuals addressing these issues and calling for the city 
to include an alternative that avoids all these impacts by building the bike trail on top of the levee and working with the flood control agency so that that's possible. And that possibly will require doing a a more complex environmental document. And while that additional work would likely delay the construction of this phase of the Two Rivers Trail, it's necessary both in terms of being consistent with the existing parkway plan guidance and direction on these types of issues and to avoid unnecessary impact for those very resources that those of us who use the American River Parkway go to experience. And there's also a question about whether other bike trail work in the city should be done before this segment of bike trail. In other words, what are the city's overall priorities? So there there are a number of issues on this, and there's a large support for the Two Rivers Bike Trail in its general context being completed. These issues have to be dealt with. The American River Parkway is a precious resource, and uh, it's unfortunate that the current project proposes so many impacts to it, and uh, they haven't really addressed the, the mitigation requirements, and some of their proposed mitigation strategy would be replacing habitat outside of the parkway, for instance. That doesn't really benefit the American River and the sensitive species that are there. So look into this issue closer and consider submitting comments on what you'd like to see done with the Two Rivers Bike Trail. This is an important subject. You're listening to KUBU-FM, Low Power and the Voice of Sacramento. This program is Making Tracks, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. rustling sound in the yard. Did you know that fallen leaves and dead wood help wildlife? Most of us like a tidy yard, whether it's ours or our neighbors. And this is the time of year that we rake our leaves and pick up all the dead tree limbs and prune back plants into submission for another year to come. But we also like our wildlife too. You might be surprised to learn how important dead plant material is to bugs, birds, small mammals, and other creatures. Well, leaves and dead wood house and feed wildlife builds healthy soil, and helps provide the foundation of food webs in forests. As you tidy up your yard, there are some things that you can do that will help our native wildlife. Let's start with dead leaves. Do you have towhees in your yard? Then you probably have leaf litter. Towhees and other sparrows spend lots of time rustling around in the yard doing a double hop leaf kick to glean seeds. Spiders and other tiny little critters by kicking up leaves. Towhees can make such a noise in their search that you might look up in alarm expecting to see a larger animal. Well, they depend on leaf litter, particularly in the fall and winter where food can be hard to find. So do the tiny critters that they're hunting. And dead or downed wood pieces, that's twigs, branches, root wads, and logs, are also a vital part of of the variety for native wildlife. At least 71 Pacific Northwest wildlife species rely on downed wood. Salamanders spend a lot of their lives under old logs. Northern flickers and other woodpeckers forage for insects and logs and snags. Small mammals such as the chipmunks and other deer mice rely on dead wood. In fact, studies in western Oregon showed that deer mice abundant in survival were closely linked to the amount of dead wood in their habitat. Then let's talk about snags or standing dead trees. Snags are critical, with at least 93 species of wildlife in the Pacific Northwest requiring snags for nesting, foraging, and other activities. Woodpeckers are cavity engineers, excavating holes in snags for foraging and nesting. They excavate more cavities than they need, 
which is a happy circumstance for other animals that can't excavate their own, such as bluebirds, many of the owls, wrens, swallows, American kestrels. You may have to remove tree from your yard due to insect infestation, and if you can see that the arborist leaves some snag material behind, you'll soon see some of these species moving in to take advantage of it. With a little thought, you can help build all of these elements into your still tidy looking yard. And here's some ideas to make wildlife feel more at home around your yard. Don't rake it all away. Leave some leaves around the shrubs and trees or in some unseen corner of the yard. Leaf piles are beneficial too. And build a brush pile. Instead of putting all those dead branches into yard debris container or pile for pickup, put some of them in a corner of the yard. Putting larger pieces on the bottom as a foundation so the pile will last longer. Leave a log or two if you can. You can incorporate logs as landscape features. For example, logs make nice boundaries between different areas of the yard. Consider leaving a snag. Do you have a dead tree or do you need to have one removed? Although taller snags are more beneficial to wildlife, even a short snag will provide a home to a variety of wildlife. So again, what's that rustling sound in your yard? With a little help by leaving fallen leaves and dead wood behind, could be some local wildlife species that you'll enjoy watching. But 
Even more it depends on the way that you see Hear the wind moan in the bright diamond sky These mountains are waiting, brown, green and dry I'm too old for the term, but I'll use it anyway I'll be a child of the wind till the end of my Child of the Wind, Bruce Coburn. I spend a lot of time outdoors. One of the many reasons I, I do that is because of the peaceful, nurturing experiences I have while I'm surrounded by nature. And I think, I think many of us have that, that same feeling. Well, I want to share some information about Japanese gardens and how they, they also have similar effects and, and some recent research that points to why that is. I'm fortunate that I spend a lot of time in Portland where there's an amazing Portland Japanese garden built on the old, old zoo grounds up in Forest Park. A highly recommended visit if you are up there, but you don't have to travel that far to experience Japanese gardens. And you can do a search local to where you are and likely find some public garden space. And if you're motivated by it, you can certainly create your own similar space in your backyard, as many have. Well, at the Portland Japanese Gardens, they've been studying all the ways in which Japanese gardens in general lend themselves to the same positive health benefits that we experience by simply spending time in any natural environment. We know people feel good after visiting these areas, but why? Well, Japanese gardens are designed to capture natural elements in their ideal form, creates captivating and safe natural spaces for contemplation and tranquility. Some garden styles, such as a strolling pond garden and a natural garden, were designed specifically to offer visitors a place of respite, a place where one can simply let the stresses fall away and be surrounded by the beauty of nature. A wandering through a garden renews your ability to stay focused. Researchers at the University of Melbourne found that looking at natural vegetation restores a person's attentive span. Recent study found that groups who walked in the woods for a brief period showed a 20% improvement on their memory tests, while those who walked down a city street did not have any considerable improvement whatsoever. I don't think that's much of a surprise, but it points to what we're talking about. Well, walking in the Portland Japanese Garden or any other Japanese garden allow your mind to rest as you observe seasonal elements. No matter what time of year, a garden will offer captivating scenery such as vibrant fall colors of a leaf in autumn or the reflection of a light against the water during the winter. A various essential oils emitted by plants and trees are a way to protect against pathogens. Well, they also help keep us refreshed. Breathing in these oils can improve our immune system. A Japanese garden includes a variety of trees. The Portland one in particular is a good example of that. We'll pause to breathe in the subtle aroma of Japanese pines or to appreciate the scent of northwest natives such as dug firs or western red cedars. Notice how fresh the air smells as you delve into a natural garden in the company of so many trees. 
On a rainy day, draw in the rich, earthy smell of damp moss and earth that lingers in the air. Strolling through the lush greenery of a Japanese garden can have re relaxing effects. Several studies at Japanese universities have found that spending time in nature significantly reduces stress levels. Researchers at the University of Sussex, for instance, found that listening to the sounds of nature, such as water falling, increases the feeling of serenity. To walk around the garden, gaze upon ponds, this is specific to Portland's Japanese garden, and stop for a moment and close your eyes. Let the sound of the heavenly falls soothe and relax you. Contemplate the expanse of the sand and stone garden and hear the wind rustling through the trees. Let the sounds you hear wash away stress and anxiety. And you can practice those same things in any garden or nature setting. This is a good example to think about. In Japanese gardens, winding and uneven pathways help to slow down your pace and to connect you with the landscape. Whether it's passing through the moss and leaves on stepping stones or slowing down along a zigzag bridge to watch koi in the water below, the path beneath your feet may change, shifting direction or become more rustic. Allow them to lead you into the present moment and to experience the health, presence, and well-being that mindful walks through the Portland Japanese garden can help cultivate. We're surrounded by nature, and a feeling of comfort comes over us, and our bodies would become relaxed. Most of us would intuitively recognize this feeling, but until recently we didn't have evidence to prove it, and now we do. If you'd like more information on this, I encourage you to check out japanesegarden.org backslash nurture, where this material comes from, and that work done by the Japanese Garden in Portland. And again, you, you can find similar spaces closer to where you live. And if you're feeling industrious or creative, you can do your own work in your own backyard. Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU. The Climate Report focuses on local climate actions and more, sponsored by 350 Sacramento every Wednesday at noon. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. For Radio EcoShock, the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU-FM, Glow Power and Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUBU locally at 96.5 on your FM dial or cable access channel 17 and 18. You can also listen in on the internet at accesssacramento.org. This program is Making Tracks. Again, thank you for listening. Well